Hello and welcome to the 14th episode of the Blue Jays Way podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Prosick, and I'm here this week with co-host Braden Zahn, as Curtis is taking a week off due to a busy work schedule. So uh, Braden hopped on as one of our baseball writers to talk about some baseball. This week, as the Blue Jays played some good baseball in Cleveland, taking two of the three games. Braden, thanks for coming on, and how are you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, ready to talk some baseball. Yes, sir. Love the attitude. So, um... We last week we recorded late in the in the week, just scheduling issues. I was sick because the second dose of the vaccine. Uh, Curtis was working. I was working. Lots of stuff happening. Uh, so we recorded a little late. Um, and so there's only been one series since the last episode was recorded. And that was this Cleveland series, which, you know, the first game, great win. Second game with Stripling, he pitched great, great win. Um, and then the third game brought some questionable uh, decisions by management, but we'll get to that in a bit. But first, we will start with our player of the week. Uh, and Braden, you know, I'll let you uh, give us your opinion on player of the week. But in this case, it's player of the Cleveland series. But anyways, take it away. All right, perfect. Uh, for me, I think the player of the week was Joe Panic. Uh, the first game during the 11 to 2 win, he went four for four, three RBIs. Second game, he went two for three. He's just been a solid player for the Jays the past couple of years. And he can play a couple positions, just a good utility player. I thought you played pretty well this week. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at um, the Jay splits against the Indians, and we had a lot of guys um, do pretty well uh, in the series. You know, you'd expect so because of the 11-run game in, in the first game that was cut by a, a bad weather. Um, but it was against, I think his name's Eli Morgan, which is it yeah. was his first, his first start in the majors. Um, so it's kind of unfortunate he had to face – um, that lineup considering how good they've been offensively in the last little while um, pitching from the bullpen has been a different story we talked about it on the last episode Curtis and I um, but for me my player of the week is going to have to be Ross Stripling who earned his first Blue Jay win uh, gave us uh, I think it was five yeah five good innings um, and yeah like I said he earned his first win as a Blue Jay which actually surprised me when I saw that considering he was on the team last year as well um, I know it was a deadline acquisition, but still, it was a little surprising. Um, I mean, I guess he didn't have that great of a start to the year, but anyways. Yeah, I feel they made a few uh, tinkerings, and he started going through a full windup instead of out of the stretch. Mm-hmm. He's been working with Pete Walker, so he looks a lot better the past couple of appearances. Yeah, Pete Walker really has um, a huge impact on anyone who comes into into Toronto, um, like we saw it last year with um, Tyone Walker, who loved Walker. Huh, that's funny. Who loved Pete Walker. Um, that just, that threw me off. Oh, that's funny. Uh, anyways. Uh, yeah. So it was pretty, it's pretty impressive to see what one coach can do for other players. Um, he's, he's done a lot of work with, you know, our bullpen, uh, especially like guys like Ryan Barucki, who's, who's flourished in the bullpen this year. Um, and even last year he was really good too. And, you know, it's unfortunate he's injured right now, but we could have used him in that third game, um, with Cleveland, but I guess that's a good segue into, um, that series. Um, so I'll just break it down a little bit. The Jays played pretty well against Cleveland, um, which is kind of important in, I mean, I know it's still early in the season, but that AL wildcard race, um, you know, we took the first game, like we mentioned, 11 to two. Um, then the next day the game got postponed because of rain um, and that brought in uh, the double header. And for those who don't know, I believe the Jays played five straight games 
uh, of seven inning ball. Um, that 11-2 game, like we mentioned, was cut short because of weather. So, I mean, man, that that last game, although, you know, it's early in the season and it's not a divisional opponent, it's still an important game. Uh, what what are your thoughts on on how Charlie Montoyo handled Chatwood giving four straight walks and without bringing a backup um, up behind him? I thought it was interesting. Uh, every time I watch a Jays game, I feel like Buck and Pat or, or Buck and Dan always mention that if you come with a bullpen, you need to throw strikes. And I just don't understand why Charlie let Chatwood go that long after four straight walks. Like, you know, he's struggling with command. It happened last time he tried to close up the game. It just seems like a decision that should have been made earlier. And he's been struggling in those those crucial late game decisions sometimes. And it's, it was certainly frustrating as a fan watching the games. Yeah, I mean, I think Charlie's made some questionable decisions before. And it's only his, what, third, third year of being the manager? Yeah. Um, so... I mean, I kind of give him a little bit of slack, but at the same time, last year and the year before, I would have been more easy on him because of the situation with the team. Like last year, we didn't expect to make the playoffs. Um, the year before, nowhere near playoffs. Um, they were just not a good team at all. Um, they were just, you know, figuring out basically the steps for their prospects, which are now major leaguers, which, you know, now Montoyo needs to kind of be a little smarter when it comes to winning games. Um, Cause I mean, we talked about it in the baseball chat and that chat's always seems to be bumping with uh, Jay's Jay's stuff, which you know is good for me um, because that's um, the chat and the group that I run. So it's nice to see everyone, you know, getting excited, but uh, at the same time, there are so many more options um, and so many decisions that could have been made that could have saved that game. Um, like what I said, um, I, I don't know what you think, but I guess, you know, we can see what you thought or think about what I think was the best choice, which was, I like uh, Castro a lot. And I think bringing him in after two walks would have been the best decision ever, but obviously we didn't have anyone warming up. Um, Montoya put all his trust in Chatwood, which kind not kind it makes sense because he was he's been great all year. Um, but coming up to that end, uh, the end little stretch here, it would have been so nice to get this last win in Cleveland. Um, I know they're in the wild card race, not a lot of people expected them to be any good at all this year after getting rid of Lindor, who sucks by the way. But, um, I mean. Like Romano, I know he pitched in game one of the day, but he threw 17 pitches and hadn't pitched since May 27th. So he was rested. Uh, we had a day off because of the rain delay uh, from the day before. Uh, so pretty much the whole bullpen was pretty well rested um, with maybe the exception of Dolis, who gets who has been getting injured and, and getting sidelined a bit this year. I, I would have, you know, it makes sense to leave Dolis out of it. Um, but since Romano came back from that injury early in the year, he's been great. Um, so I wouldn't hesitate to put him back in there for two outs um, or, or even just the three outs we needed. I would have been fine uh, after Chatwood let two walks. I would have been uh, fine throwing him in. Um, and even a guy like Joel, Joel Piamps, uh, he was available as well. Like we have so many options, um, but it's just the lack of, um, I don't know, 
having just being ready for anything um, is what I would say. Um, and it was really unfortunate. We couldn't get the sweep there in, uh, in Cleveland, but uh, yeah. What did you think about, about, you know, bringing Castro and was it the right time? Um, I, I know we've talked about Chatwood just now, but um, who do you think could have come in instead to, uh, to take his place? I think in that position, I like Jordan Romano. I feel like they've been reluctant to bring him into late game situations sometimes, which I don't really agree with. I feel like he has the stuff that can get big lead hitters out in crucial situations. And I feel like that's just the type of situation that he should be put into. But as far as like the Montoyo stuff, I feel like fans forget that although he makes the final decision, there's a lot of stuff that goes into picking who comes into the game at certain moments. Like I'm sure Montoyo is not all the way making that one decision at one time. I'm sure Pete Walker has some input. They have the analytics people that are saying like, oh, this guy's good today, this guy can't go. I'm sure management has their preferences and who they want at certain points in the game. And it's just still like really early in the season. We've suffered so many injuries as a team and they're still trying to figure out who they can trust in that late game moments. So I think putting Chadwood in there in that time gave them a little sample of what he can do but I feel like they, there's so many other options you can go to. And as we get more and more healthy, I feel like the bullpen will get a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot to give Montoya a little bit of credit. Um, the bullpen has been really up and down this year uh, to start the year. They were fantastic. Um, then, you know, we got hit with a bunch of injuries um, and a lot of the guys n- might not even return like uh, this year. I mean, guys like Kirby Yates didn't even play a game before he was out with Tommy John for the year. Um, And then David Phelps, one of our best late inning relievers. uh, He's also gone for the year. Uh, Julian Merriweather, who started the year on fire, um, is also out still. He's on 60-day IL, I believe. Thomas Hatch has been out for a while. Yeah, Thomas Hatch has been out a long time as well. Good point. Um, So he's had a lot of different pitchers to put in a lot of different positions. um, And we haven't really been able to see, you know, like a – consistent setup man a consistent closer um and in in my ideal world i would i would get in for example a game where our pitchers go six innings which is usually i mean what the jays let their starters go is around six innings sometimes seven if they're dealing um so you get your starter go six you put chatwood in in the seventh you put Dolis in the eighth and Romano in in the ninth. That's my ideal high pressure situation game uh, of, of how we pitch. Obviously it's not the case for every game um, because there's rest days and stuff like that. Um, But, you know, even Trent Thornton, um, I think he pitched two days before that and he pitched three, a couple innings or two innings. Yeah. He's also been really good uh, this year. And Curtis uh, is super high on Trent Thornton, which, you know, makes sense. He's a, re- he's a great pitcher. Um, but yeah, Montoyo has made some questionable decisions last year was uh, he was nominated for manager of the year. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, and you know, that kind of makes sense because although last year, you know, he, we also had these weird decisions coming from the bullpen um, uh, putting in some pitchers who were struggling in, in high pressure situations last year. I remember some of those games, uh, I forget his – I don't want to mess up his name because that would be mean. But he's not on the team anymore. Um, but anyways, he brought in some bad pitchers in high situations, and it was just it was just 
I I hated watching it. It was terrible. Um, but yeah, I mean, this year I really don't think that's going to be a, a, a nomination coming for AL Manager of the Year. Uh, la- yeah, like last year was kind of made sense because the Jays made the playoffs and no one thought they were yeah, going to make no the playoffs. Expecting it. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of made sense. But in your opinion, um, if this continues uh, in, in closer to the playoff push, do you think Montoyo's job is in jeopardy? Or because we picked up his option for next year, do you think they're kind of just going to roll with him so they don't look stupid? Um, I think with such a, a young team as the Jays, we have so many young, so much young talent and stuff in the minors as well that people are ready to come up. I feel like they kind of need Montoya to bring these players up, bring up the pace. And I think he's all the players in the clubhouse have lots of respect for him. I feel like Ross Atkins and Mark Power believe in him. And we forget that we're still like really early into the season. Nobody was expecting us to make the playoffs last year. They accomplished that. There's still so much that can happen. We can still make the playoffs this year, still make some noise. Um, I feel like he deserves more of an opportunity as the season rolls on. And of course, we're in a big sports market. We see this with the Raptors, with, with the Leafs. Um, people are calling for people to get fired all the time. Yeah. And um, it's kind of it's kind of tough to deal with. They sign up for that, obviously, but we'll see as, as it progresses. Yeah, I mean, after that Leafs loss, was it, yeah, it was last night. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of heads are going to be tr- turning to the Blue Jays uh, in the next little while um, because I know, I mean – all the fan base isn't very big. The Argos start up in a couple months. Um, the Raptors are out. So really the Jays, the only Toronto team to watch um, right now. Besides, oh, TFC as well. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, a lot of heads are going to start turning to the Jays and a lot of people, I mean, although they might be hop on bandwagon fans, although, you know, the Jays aren't that good yet. Um there's going, you're right. There's going to be a lot of eyes and a lot of people judging uh, the choices of the Jays and what happens going forward. Um, but I also feel like his Montoyo, that is his job's going to get a lot easier as we get guys back like Hatch um, and like Barucki guys coming back. And especially the guy who's played two games and hit two home runs, uh, George Springer. Um, it would be nice to have him back. Please come back, George. Um <laughs> But yeah, I, I honestly, I mean, this isn't really on our topics here to talk about, but do you think um, Springer's going to return anytime soon? Because we haven't really heard much from him lately other than he's been progressing well. Yeah, all I've heard is that he's been running the bases and uh, I've heard he's been taking batting practice a couple of times, right? Yeah. Yeah, so they're kind of keeping a little bit quiet about his return. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we love him back in the lineup. It just makes the lineup so much more deeper, so much more yeah. depth. He's a perfect leadoff guy, and I'm excited for him to come back. But he can still make that impact in the clubhouse, I think, even on the bench. For sure. He looks like he's he's coached with all of his teammates, and I just feel like he's a great guy. And I can't wait for him to come back, honestly. Yeah, no, me too. I think I think it's kind of like a smokescreen kind of thing because they don't want teams to be, you know, getting prepared with their pitchers and, and saying, oh, let's hold this guy off because the Jays lineup is even deeper now. Like, they're just keeping it a little quiet just for – that um that strategy kind of thing um but how amazing would this be because the jays have two i'm gonna pull up the calendar here real quick the jays have two games against the marlins and then i believe houston is next yeah three games set against the, the astros yeah and so the 
those are important series, by the way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that would be nice to see Springer return against Houston. That would be kind of funny. Um, it would be pretty cool. Um, but I mean, now that we talk, uh, just said it right now, um, the Jays have a, like we just said, a little bit of an important stretch coming up with, uh, you know, we just finished up with some of our, our divisional opponents. Um, but now, you know, we have Miami, uh, the Marlins back-to-back games, uh, a two game set on Tuesday, which is today and, uh, the day of recording. Um, and then June 2nd, which is tomorrow, um, is so this is our little two game set. The Jays are in Buffalo again. They're returning from last year. And I honestly think Buffalo is going to do them a lot of good. Um, although, you know, it's still a good, great hitters park. Obviously, it's a triple A field. Um, there's not a lot of structure around. So the wind goes through pretty well. Um, but uh, do you think the Jays have have a little bit more of an advantage, a disadvantage or just you know, they're just going to keep playing ball um, in Buffalo. I feel like it's a little bit of both. I feel like they're just going to keep going as they've been going. The offense has been potent. And I feel like the AAA uh, buys in the stadium is a little bit close in dimensions to where they're already playing in Dunedin, maybe a little bit bigger. And they've made some adjustments to make it major league um, level a stadium. But um, I think that they played – so much better when they're in Buffalo last year, the team just seemed more energetic and yeah. Players like Marcus Simeon voiced their displeasures of playing in Dunedin. So I think a little change of scenery will be good for them. And just uh, being where they're familiar with uh, other teams aren't necessarily familiar with Buffalo. Uh, the Jays playing their last year, they're, they're more familiar with it. They know where to hit the ball, stuff like that. So I think it'll be exciting. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely excited for them to be back in Buffalo as well. And, yeah, you make a good point with Simeon. He's not a fan of playing in Dunedin. It makes sense because it seems like every game we played, we were the away team. Um, it seemed like all the home runs we hit got boos and all the home runs the other teams hit, especially teams like uh, Tampa Bay, uh, obviously, because they're in Florida as well. Um, they got just huge, huge applause every time they did something good. And it would have been awful if with Miami as well, uh, who we're facing, like we mentioned uh, today and tomorrow, um, because we would have been the away team yet again. Um, so Buffalo, a little bit closer to Toronto. Um, so we'll get hopefully a lot more Jays fans out there. If yeah, the border was open. We'll have fans in Buffalo in the past yeah, two years. Exactly. Yeah. In New York, there's like there's some Yankees fans and there's some Jays fans just due to the proximity to the Canadian border. But it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, no, it's definitely a really good thing um, for the Jays. I think we're, they're going to see a lot more support. Um, and man, if the border was open, I, I'm fully vaccinated now. So I would be driving to Buffalo like immediately and purchasing like 12 tickets in a row. I would just stay down there forever, man. Um, but yeah, in, in in regards to the schedule coming up, we have a really, really, like we mentioned, important stretch. So we got Miami, Houston, Chicago, uh, like Braden mentioned. So the Houston series, we have really good pitchers um, in, in terms of matchups going up. We got Ryu, Stripling, and Mats. Um, so lefty, righty, lefty. And, you know, all three are coming off good starts. So hopefully we can try to do a little better against Houston earlier in the year. We didn't do too well against them uh, when it was in Houston. Um, it'll be really nice to get um, two series wins 
um, in, in Buffalo to start out, get them that confidence playing uh, at their new home with quotations. Um, and today, even uh, I saw in Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro's um, media um, interviews just today, um, Mark Shapiro said the Jays are still hopeful that they're going to return to Toronto this year. Um, it just all depends on border, uh, border restrictions. And it's more of a federal government thing um, in, in terms of provincial, federal, stuff like that. Um, so hopefully, hopefully, and I, I really, really, really want them to be back in Toronto, even if there's no fans. Um, I would love them for to be uh, for them to be in Rogers Center um, just because, you know, I feel like they're going to play a lot better there. Um, and I'm just going to have peace of mind that they're in Toronto. So. Um, yeah, so after that, then we have the White Sox, um, and then uh, back to the Red Sox, then the Yankees, then we finally play the Baltimore or Baltimore Orioles, um, which has been a long-awaited series that we want to play. Now that I say that, they're probably going to get swept by Baltimore. Um, <laughs> but anyways, what do you think about this little stretch coming up? How important do you think it is in in uh, in terms of their success for you know making the playoffs? Although we're not close yet, but you know, divisional games and AL matchups in general. I'm really excited. I think this this next two game series against the Marlins is gonna be interesting. It's always fun to watch some interleague baseball, and I feel like the Marlins are a little bit underrated with some of their players. They have the young super. I'm uh, sorry, young, young uh, shortstop Jazz Chisholm. They got some good pitchers and Sandy Alcantara and Pablo Lopez. So I feel like that'd be fun to watch. And obviously, uh, Alec Manoa is pitching. So obviously I'll be turn, tuning into that one. Yeah. And then against the, the Astros and the White Sox, I feel like when they play those type of contenders that people view as can go deep into the playoffs, it's a little bit of an indicator of how we're going to perform down the stretch. Can they show up in those big games? Can the offense continue hitting? Can the pitching stay as good as it's been? So even though it's still early in the season, those type of games are, are crucial as you, as you go down the stretch. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, earlier in the year, or at least in the last couple of weeks, I have been pretty scared to send pretty much anyone up to the mound. Um, but I feel like since Manoa made that debut, although, you know, it's one game, so knock on wood that he keeps, keeps going. Um, but I feel like he brings a little bit of peace to our rotation, if that makes any sense. Um, because we have, you know, Ray, Ryu, and... Um, and Matt's are three lefties who have been doing really well um, for, for most of the year. Anyways, um, Stripling's given us a few good outings, um, but also had a lot of shaky ones. And so if Manoa can just continue giving us five, six, even seven innings would be just unbelievable um, of, of quality starts. I mean, it brings a lot of security to our starting rotation um, and hopefully at, in, I, I assume in July, maybe that Nate Pearson is healthy and he's pitching well, and he comes back up uh, to the majors. That would be fantastic. Um, but we'll see uh, what happens um, from now on. Um, but moving on to our next interesting little topic here. Um, so I think right now the AL MVP race is, is tight, but it's kind of narrowed down. Um, although, like we mentioned earlier, it's early in the season. Um, so AL MVP is probably right now going to be either Vladdy, Otani, 
Shohei Otani or hmm. Um, maybe not MVP, but Rookie of the Year. He's been really good. Is Adelis Garcia? I don't know if he's yeah. Rookie of the Year, but yeah, yeah. He's been mashing the ball in Texas. Yeah, really true. Um, yeah, but either way, so I would say Otani, Vlad, and I would put um. Tim JD Anderson Martinez, sorry. Tim Anderson's been good. Yeah, Tim Anderson, JD Martinez. Um, I'm trying to. I'm drawing a blank. There's one more name. Oh, Trey Mancini, who's been doing oh, yeah. incredible this year. Um, after you know kicking the crap out of cancer. Um, so the AL AL race is interesting, but um, the NL race is really what I want to talk about here. Um, so in your opinion, who's who's kind of in the running, and who would be your pick right now for the NL MVP? I feel like in the running, a lot of people are going to talk about Acuna, Tatis. Um, for me personally, I'm a big guy. I'm a big pitchers guy. I, I pitched when I was playing baseball. Um, I think Jacob Degrom should be in the conversation MVP. Um, he's just the best pitcher in baseball by far. He's a 0.71 ERA. It's only allowed four earned runs this entire season. It's 88 strikeouts. He's hitting 450. Um, he has like three RBIs and something like that. He's just been dominant. He throws 101. Like, I don't think there's any pitcher in baseball that can rival him as in talent wise. And he's just been getting better with age. And I think I saw the stat that as the lineup goes on, like the first time, second time, and third time through the lineup, the batting average decreases. And like usually you see with pitchers, they get worse as the game goes on. Yeah. People know what they're going to throw and they get more tired. But he's just getting better each and every start. And I think he's in far and away the best. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that because I thought I thought uh, I mean we haven't talked too much baseball. I mean like face to face before, um, but I was gonna assume you would have went with obviously like a like you mentioned Acuna or um, or Tatis, um, because Jacob Degrom is also my MVP. So this <laughs> that makes this a lot less interesting. Um, like you meant you said it all, man. Like his his uh, ERA is ridiculous. His batting average is in the 400s. Like it's unreal what this guy's doing. And I don't, I honestly don't think there's an argument uh, against him winning MVP right now. Um, if this continues, if he finishes with an ERA under even 1.5, 150 um, and, and hits like 300, that's still my MVP, like by far, no matter, I don't care if Tatis hits 40 home runs and bats like 270 or something like that. DeGrom's still my MVP. And maybe that's controversial, um, as, you know, all of these kind of discussions are. Um, but right now, Jacob DeGrom is running away with NL MVP. And it's, like, it's blowing my mind. Like, I've been watching baseball for, it's, what is it, 2021? I've been watching baseball for, like, 10 years, like, hardcore watching the Jays all the time. And I've never once seen this before. Like, yeah. it's it's ridiculous, especially, like, you mean, he throws – up in the hundreds constantly. Um, I think he's absolutely destroying the league in uh, amount of 100 mile per hour balls thrown. Um, and even, you know, like you mentioned as well, the batting average goes down as you go along. You, that's a big thing in the Jays organization is batting average after three times through the order. Um, Cause usually with at least with Jays pitchers, it's all, it always goes up. Um, and that's why you see the Jays um, hesitant to, keep guys in through seven innings like a traditional starter maybe 10 15 years ago would have went seven innings every game um but yeah i mean it's really 
just unbelievable what's happening there. Um, and like, I'm literally at a loss for words most of the time because of what this guy is doing. It's unreal. Um, and speaking of that, the Mets, if I'm not mistaken, are doing really well right now. Um, not Lindor, though. Sorry? Not Lindor, though. Oh, yeah. Lindor sucks. Yeah, we, we know that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Mets, actually, uh, Kevin Pillar, former Jay, got hit in the face with a 94-mile-per-hour fastball two weeks ago and played his first game yesterday. That blows my mind. I mean, we always kind of knew how great of a player he was because, you know, he played in Toronto for so long. Um, but that was just really, really impressive. Um, anyways, uh, before we get into our last little topic here, um, I just wanted to ask you for because uh, Curtis and I talked to, talked about it last week, so I want to kind of get your thoughts on it. Do you think the Jays are? Um, what do you think they are right now? Do you think they're in contention for wild card or maybe even divisional title, or uh, what? Do, what do you expect for them at the end of this year? Um, I think they're in contention for the wild card, but the the one thing that all depends on is health. Yeah, um, with their with their bullpen, their starting pitching, their lineup, they just need people to stay healthy. That's really all it is. And with a lot of these guys, they're being thrown in situations they're not normally used to be thrown into. Like no disrespect to Joel Piams, but I'm sure in the minors and during his limited experiences in the big league, he's not been in these high pressure situations as they are. Like Tyler Chatwood used to be a starter. So I think as people start to get more healthy, they'll get more of a sense of what this team can do. And I think there's a few people they can target the deadline, just add some more depth, maybe some more starting pitching, just one more high-quality starting pitcher if they're available. But, yeah, I think by the end of the season, they should be in contention for the wild card. I think the the Rays are going to maybe take that division. Yeah. Yankees are still obviously a really good team, but I think the Jays have what it takes. And as down the road as we get into the future, I think they'll be in contention each and every year for for playoffs and World Series, hopefully. So I'm excited about this year. Yeah, no, me too, for sure. I think getting Springer back, obviously, I mean, obviously we gave a man $150 million. Getting him back is going to be huge. Um, I, I think they'll stay in contention for the wild card this year, but you're right. I think that's all they're going to stay in contention for. Um, but once you get in the playoffs, you know, anything can happen. So like the Nationals won, I think they, I'm pretty sure they were a wild card team and then went on to win the World Series uh, when yeah, they won. They had a terrible record to start the season. Yeah, they- yeah. Streak yeah they were really bad just like how like uh, kind of yeah kind of like how the st louis blues sucked they were the worst team in the league a couple of years ago when they won and uh then they went on that unreal tear with bennington and and won the cup there a little bit of hockey knowledge for you um but uh yeah i i, I honestly think we're in the race for wildcard we're only at one and a half games back so you know it's still early in the season still a lot of baseball to be played um but uh we'll definitely have to see what comes up uh, there um, but on a more um, unfortunate note in the baseball world and uh, just you know in the world in general uh, Marcelo Zuna uh, I think it was last week was arrested for domestic battery and aggravated assault um, and he's facing I think I saw was a two to 20 years in prison but you know don't quote me on that you look up uh, there's a lot of articles on on what the situation is about um, but he recently signed a four-year, $64 million contract, I believe, after his great season last year. Um, so this is a really, really unfortunate thing um, for, for a lot. I mean, it's awful, awful, absolutely terrible. Um, and, you know, we don't, uh, we don't really uh, 
I don't really know what to say for the Braves, you know, because like, I mean, they're losing a pretty good player. I mean, he wasn't doing that well this year. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I also don't really feel bad for the Braves losing that kind of person. Um, so, you know, we won't talk about it too much because there's a lot of stuff behind it. But um, I mean, what, what do you think of the Ozuna situation here without, you know, going into too much detail? Uh, first off, I think just thoughts and condolences to like his family and yeah. his wife. Uh, this is a really tough situation, obviously, to touch on, but there's no tolerance for domestic violence exactly. in any form anywhere, especially yeah. for a professional athlete that people look up to. And um, it's just it's it's hard, but I don't think he should be able to step toward, on the fields in, in, in any any way yeah. in, the, in the near future. Um, it'll be interesting interesting to see how the Braves will let it play out. Obviously, they have a, a team investigation, and then that'll be what probably undergo an investigation to see what happens. But, um, yeah, there's just no tolerance, and I saw that uh, they're not able to void his contract. So if in, in the events that he does not play anymore, is it, you know, does he go on the restricted list? Do they release him? So obviously that that part of it does not matter as much. Obviously we're focusing on, on the actual situation that happened, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough situation. Yeah. And that even leads to, I mean, it's really unfortunate to see that this kind of thing happens so much in the MLB that the MLB player union and, and, and the league have like suspension numbers based on uh, d- uh, domestic violence, which is just terrible. Um so, I mean, the fact that we have a rule book for stuff like this is really disappointing. Uh, like, like you mentioned, like, you don't really want to see after what we've heard happened, um, him back on the field kind of thing. Um, so we'll see what happens with the MLB investigation and what gets unveiled. Um, but just an awful situation. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I think... I think that's going to do it for us this week. But uh, before we go, we will do our wonderful, most exciting time of the week, which is plug time. So, uh, Braden, if you want to, you know, plug in your socials and anything you have going on with OTL or anything, uh, just uh, feel free to take it away. Uh, Yeah, sure. Um, I'm on Instagram. My Instagram is Braden.Zon. I write for OTL in the sections of basketball, baseball, and football. I'm big with basketball, big with the Raptors, so... I'm a little bit more towards that, but I, I love the Jays as well. So it was great to come on to, to this podcast. And I just want to thank you for having me. Great talks in baseball. I'm excited about the Jays rest of the season. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. Um, you can always find me, uh, at Prosec Tyler on Twitter, P-R-O-C-Y-K Tyler. And uh, on Instagram, Tyler, R Prosec underscore. Uh, you can check out everything going on with the site. Uh, we had a Julio Jones article released today. Uh, a bunch of soccer uh, stuff coming out lately. I'm not, you know, the biggest guy in soccer, but our our soccer department is there for a reason and they know what they're talking about. So please go and check that out on the site um, and everything else we got going on with uh, the playoffs and uh, the NHL playoffs. That is all the things you can check out there. Um, the Leafs suck. Um, <laughs> I, I know a lot of people that may listen to this might be Leafs fans. Um, I'm sorry for you. I feel kind of bad. Um, but at the same time, I'm not a least fan. Go Panthers. They suck too. Don't worry. Um, but I'm yeah, so I want to thank so what's that? A lot worse. I'm a yeah. Sabres fan, so. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, man. <laughs> that's awful. Anyways, I, we're, we can talk about that later. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I want to thank uh, Braden for joining us this week. And I want to remind all of you to like, and subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Spotify and Apple podcasts and make sure to check us out on social media at OTL sports CA on Twitter and Instagram, and go check out all our latest articles on www.overlinesports.ca. And we will see you next time.